White will come and do the announcement in just a minute, but I just wanted to give you an update on where we stand and what we're doing. Thank you for being here today. Uh, we don't want you to feel at risk in any way, shape, or form, and I don't think you should feel that way today. Uh, we had 46 people in the first service and 59 in Sunday school, and then the number we have here, but uh, we did send out a call mall yesterday. If you're not on that list, I hope you would call the church and get on it. That would uh, give you important information about what's going on and what decisions are being made. You know, this situation is very fluid, so it changes day to day. But let me give you where we are now. As of the end of this service, our building will be uh, closed for all meetings, with the exception of our child care staying open. Uh, and we'll do that on a basis of the same way we're looking at everything else, based on how uh, things pan out. Uh, this is to make sure that we can control who's coming and going in the building. Uh, it secures our child care a little bit more in terms of their, their safety. Um, it also uh, keeps us from being in close proximity to another in classrooms and so forth. So that's where we are uh, on that. The offices will be open because there's only three uh, or four of us in there at a time and we're spread out. Uh, you know how we manage people coming into the building anyway with the door, so we'll, we'll handle that as well. Um, so if you need anything, we will be available. The hospitals are closed to pastoral visits. The uh, rehab facilities are closed to pastoral visits, and I will not be going into anyone's home. If there is an emergency, I certainly would change that scenario, but as a general rule, I won't until this crisis passes. I will call. If you need me, you call me, and we'll go from there on what we need to do. Um, the other thing is, as of right now, we will meet next Sunday. Uh, based on what I'm seeing today, uh, at one time I said I didn't think we would do Sunday school, but based on our number in Sunday school, we may be able to do that, continue to do that for those who want to come, because it appeared to me that those who felt like they were at risk did not come, which is the way we would want it to be. But it's with this caveat. If these numbers were to start climbing in Virginia and get closer to us and things change this week, then we will rethink what I just told you. But uh, the building and no meetings through uh, the end of March, uh, unless otherwise stated. So keep that in mind. Um, so if you have a meeting planned, and that also means that the women's conference that was scheduled for this weekend has been postponed, not canceled, but postponed. And uh, so just wanted to make you aware of that. I thought you need to hear that from me. The other thing is the president has declared this a national day of prayer. And I think that is uh, a wise thing to do. And so to start our service today, and then Dwight will follow uh, with our announcements and so forth, let's enter into a time of silent prayer, and then I will lead us in a corporate prayer. So let's pray. gracious and loving Father, we come before you this morning realizing how weak we are and asking, Father, that we be strengthened in you, for we are weak, but you are strong. We're thankful, Father, that in the midst of difficulties, you are there. We pray, Father, that whatever seems to be causing this problem with this virus, that it would soon pass. And for those who are suffering, we pray for their healing. We're thankful, Father, that we can come to your house on this day and acknowledge your presence in our lives. For indeed, you're all that we have and all that we need in terms of eternity. 
We're thankful, Father, that as we pray, we know that there are people all over this nation praying and asking, Father, that you place your hand upon this nation and heal those who are sick and bring peace to those who are troubled and to give hope to those who are hopeless. We pray for our leaders on the local, state, and national level that you will give them wisdom to do what is right as they lead us in this crisis. We're grateful for the love shown to each of us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good to see everyone this day. And uh, I'm just excited that we are able to be here. And uh, I uh, also wanted to remind and encourage you that this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He is with us. And every day he makes is exactly as he designed. And so we are here to bring everything we have before him and glorify him as we worship and honor him in this service. Amen? Amen. Uh, I don't have a lot of opportunities for the week to share, but if you're our guest, still please fill out the uh, tear-off portion and uh, put in the offering plate. And then if you have any prayer requests, please put them on the yellow side as well. Remember our uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering? The week of prayer was this last week, but it also, uh, our, our goal is $6,000 as a church. So I would encourage you to be faithful, to pray, and to consider what you may give towards that offering as, as we uh, aren't here as often, so encourage and remind one another in that as well. So anyway, it's a good day to be together, and we're glad each of you are here, and we're looking forward to rejoicing in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning for our call to worship, I'd ask that you take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 85, and we're going to stand together and sing, God Will Make a Way. And indeed, we know as we sing this that he will make a way for us to get through the challenges that are facing our world today, and that he is truly the one who knows what the plan is. Let's stand together, hymn 85, God Will Make a Way. For the women's retreat, the dates on that are going to be June 5th and 6th, correct? That's the rescheduled date, so mark your calendars June 5th and 6th for the Breathe Women's Conference. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let us pray. Father God, we do thank you that uh, each day is in your hands, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that you 
have our tomorrows, and we are uh, your people who do not know what tomorrow will bring. So God, we trust in you, and we know that today is the day in which you've given to us. We know that our lives are very short on this earth, so we want to make the most of them in glorifying you and honoring you and sharing your love to each and every one that uh, comes into our path. So God, I pray that this hour that you would be glorified. God, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit is here, that you are here in all of your fullness and not just in a part. God, that we as your people need to worship you in all of our fullness as uh, you have given us uh, this privilege to come before you and to uh, worship you in song, worship you through your word and through this service this day. We look forward to what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymnals again and turn to hymn number 453, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. I think it's really appropriate that this is in the section for assurance, comfort, and rest. Please stand as we sing 453, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Keep your hymnals out and turn to page 328 for our responsive reading today. Page 328. And I will do the worship leader. And together you'll do worshipers. Top of page 328. If then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Keep your
your hymnals close at hand and turn please to hymn number 115, God of Grace and God of Glory. Let's stand together as we sing, 115, God of Grace and God of Glory. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the uplifting and wisdom and knowledge that you have granted each and every one of us here today, and we just thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, and we just want to take this time to show you our love as we give back to your storehouse through these tithes and offerings, and may you put your blessings upon all of this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
not him. Uh, thank you all for coming and being part of the service today. Uh, I'm grateful that you're here and that we can of adversities and let's bow for prayer. Gracious loving God, in your presence we come on this day that you have given to us with thanksgiving and joy in our hearts for the opportunity to be together in your house. Recognizing, Father, even more today what a privilege it is to come together as the body of Christ. But realizing, Father, that for many reasons there are people not with us today. And so we lift them to you and pray that you will keep them safe and encourage them in their journey. We're thankful for this church, for this gathering place. We're thankful, Father, for the ministries and work of this place. And as we pause, Father, for the rest of this month, may we never forget to pray and to fellowship with you, and to stay in touch with one another. We're so grateful, Father, that we can pray for those who are ill, and so we do. We pray for healing and strength. And for those, Father, who have lost loved ones in these past few weeks, we give them to you and pray that you will work and minister to them. Bring comfort and assurance. For our missionaries, Father, who are serving around the world in uncertainty at this time because of this virus. We pray that you will protect them and that as they share the gospel story, that they can do so with the full assurance that you are walking with them. We pray for the leaders again of our nation and of our state and of our localities, that we, Father, might follow their instructions and seek their wisdom as we continue to work together. Bless us as we open your word, for in your word we find truth. And in truth, Father, we... Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11, as we look at Paul's testimony somewhat. But Philippians chapter 3... Verses 4 through 11. I'll wait on the big screen so you can see it there. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In the 1730s in England, a young man named George Whitfield desperately wanted to be right before God. As a student at Oxford, he was part of the Holy Club along with John and Charles Wesley. The members of that club rose early every day for lengthy devotions. They disciplined themselves so as not to waste a minute of the day. They wrote a diary every night in which they examined and condemned themselves for any fault during that day. They fasted each Wednesday and Friday and set aside Saturday as a Sabbath to prepare for the Lord's Day on Sunday. They took communion each Sunday. They tried to persuade others to attend church and to refrain from evil. They visited the prisons and gave money to help the inmates and provide for the education of their children. Whitfield nearly ruined his health by going out in cold weather and lying prostrate before God for hours, crying out for deliverance from sin and Satan. For seven weeks, he was sick in bed. 
confessing his sins and spending hours praying and reading his Greek New Testament. Yet by his own admission, he was not saved because he was trusting in all these things to save him. Finally, in a sense of utter desperation, in rejection of all all self-trust, he cast his soul on the mercy of God through Jesus Christ and a ray of faith granted him from above, assured him he was not cast out. The burden of his sins was lifted. He was filled with joy and went on to become the great evangelist used of God in the first great awakening. Thankfully, we do not all have to go through the agony of soul that George Whitfield went through. But we must all come to the same place he did where we throw overboard as worthless all trust in human merit and cling to the Lord Jesus Christ as our only basis for acceptance with God. If we lose all our pride and self-trust in exchange for Christ and his grace, we gain everything. Profit is one thing we know about in our day, isn't it? Profit is used as a motive, a basis for action. It might be expressed by what's in it for me. And certainly over these past couple of weeks, we have been quite aware of the loss of profit in the market. Certainly, we have been aware of all that has taken place in these past few weeks. And for many people, it is quite troubling. But Jesus had something to say about profit. He showed that it is the mad rush for gain, for power and prestige. Something else is of the utmost importance, though, he says, the realization of salvation and growth in him. He expressed it in words that we can all understand. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, Jesus went right to the point, didn't he? He made sure that people understood that the most important thing was your relationship with him and everything else really did not matter. As Paul would say, it was rubbish. In Paul's autobiographical section of Philippians, he claims that if anyone could count on his position in the flesh for right standing with God, it should be him. But he discounts that for faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying trusting in Christ and our good works for salvation is not trusting in Christ at all. We have to give everything up as far as our good works our religion, and our morality in order to receive Christ as Savior. In other words, we must find our way to his grace. That is essential for us to understand. There is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. Paul said all of those things that he had done up to the point that he had found his way to Christ meant nothing or were garbage in comparison to what he gained in Jesus Christ. You see, some prophet, as we see in verses 4 through 6, is really lost. If ever there was a person who could be right with God on the basis of keeping the Jewish law, it was Paul himself. He had the credentials by birth. He had the track record by experience, but on the Damascus road, he came to realize that all those things he was counting on for right standing with God were worthless. He threw them all on the trash heap and laid hold of Christ through faith. Paul discovered that all for which he had worked were not really prophets when judged by the standard of God's will for his life. Paul talks about the things he must not put confidence in. This list is strikingly relevant today as many continue to put confidence in these areas to earn favor with God. Paul had an even better pedigree than the Judaizers who were confusing the church and seems to be challenging them, if you will, to a showdown, saying that he can match and even excel any human condition they want to glory in as the basis for right standing with God. Paul mentions ritual. 
Paul had been circumcised as a child on the eighth day after his birth, which was in accordance with the Jewish law. The Judaizers were teaching that one must be circumcised to be saved. But Paul's argument is that no one can put confidence in any religious ritual to earn favor with God. It does not work that way. That's the reason, as Baptists, we're not ritualistic people, if you want to know the truth of it. We do not really have any rituals in the Baptist church with the exception of our ordinances, if you want to call those rituals, and that would be our communion and our baptism. Because anything else that we do is self-serving, not God-serving. Second, he mentions his rank. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, but this did not help him gain salvation. His family could not help him. His pedigree could not help him in this. Third, Paul mentions his race. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. This term points to his lineage and language. Both of his parents were thoroughly Jewish and Paul had not begun to speak the Greek language as so many Jews had begun to do. He was still speaking Hebrew as his primary language. Fourth, Paul mentions his religion. Paul had become a Pharisee, the strictest sect of Judaism. He had been the one of the sect that persecuted Jesus when Jesus walked the face of the earth. He had been one who had kept the law to the best of his ability. He was a very religious man, but yet he was not saved by his religion. And that's something we need to be aware of as well. We are saved by faith, not by religion. Fifth, Paul mentions his righteousness as to the righteousness which is in the law that is outward obedience. You could not have found any violation with Paul. You see, it might seem that Paul is bragging in this list, but actually he is doing the opposite. He is showing that all these things had to be given up to come to Christ. Even after salvation, we struggle with pride. It can sneak up on us in many ways. We can take pride in our moral purity, in our faithfulness, in our devotional life, in our doctrinal correctness, in thinking that we are somehow better than other Christians. We must constantly put self to death by counting whatever we think is gain due to our efforts as loss so that we can more fully become like Christ. True Christians count on human merit, count all human merit, as loss. The problem with all of these things had prompted pride. As reflected in the life of Paul, we can see some of the things in which we might have an inordinate pride, a pride that can lead to a fall. We can have the pride of family. Paul could stand before any of his antagonists and match pedigrees. He could point to his family with pride, but like Paul in the end, each one of us must stand alone. We must make our own mark in life. We cannot depend on our family to do for us what God has called us to do. We have a responsibility to be an individual before God and respond to him. The second thing that we can have pride in is the pride of faith. Paul's background was that of a Pharisee, the most religious of all the Jews. His faith was without question. That was all settled, settled that is, until he met Christ on the Damascus Road. And then everything changed for Paul. He had an experience on the Damascus Road that allowed him to say to the Philippians that everything I had done up to that point is really garbage. And then there's the pride of achievement. Paul set forth an impressive list of his achievements. He had achieved more than others his age. The greatest achievement of all, however, is faith in Christ. And then there was the pride of his morality. Paul could even take great pride in morality. But our own righteousness becomes as filthy rags in the presence of Christ, who is righteousness himself. But then we see in verses 7 through 11 that some loss is really profit. Paul had a great pride in his attainments. All the things he counted as profit until one day on the road to Damascus, they were all swept away and he discovered the greatest profit faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. 
Now we must think about that. Everything that Paul had done up to that point no longer mattered to him. His relationship to Christ is what made the difference. What do we put our values in? I would venture to say that some people's values over this past week have changed a little. Have you been to the toilet paper aisle in the local grocery store? You will see there is none. And I saw the funniest things, and I've seen, I, there's a sermon illustration about this that I've used before, but you'll get, get the point of this. I see these things on Facebook now. It says, we'll trade toilet paper for late model pickup truck. Now, I say that because, you know, we laugh, and it's okay to laugh, and it, it is kind of funny. That's why they put it out there in that uh, regard. But I, I don't want to minimalize what's going on there. What's really going on there is you see how values change when times become different? You see? What used to just be matter of fact, now we're looking for it, aren't we? I'm not. I go to BJ's to buy mine, so I have plenty. But I see that. I see that this week. You see, people are, what they held as dear, whatever it may be, has all of a sudden left them high and dry. Because so many people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ in this country that they fail to understand that the most important thing you can settle at a time like this is the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. It's significant. It's important. It's the most important thing in the midst of whatever else you might think is important. Accepting Christ as Savior and Lord is the most important decision any person can make. Bill Glass, an evangelist and former All-American and All-Pro football player, once expressed it before the Baptist World Congress in Miami, Florida as a decision he could not sidestep. He was face to face with Christ and could not sidestep him. He had to decide whether Jesus was what he claimed to be or the greatest liar in the world. Neither can any one of us sidestep this decision. We have to make a decision. And it's our responsibilities as followers of Jesus Christ to put people in a position to make that decision. What did Paul gain? First, he gained the ability to know Christ. What does this mean? It means much more than just knowing about Christ. It means to have a personal relationship with Christ. You know, we know a lot of things, don't we? And if we don't know them, the Internet will tell us what they are, what, what, you know, what we need to know. We know a lot of things. And we know about people, don't we? And... Many people know about Jesus. But to know about Jesus and to have a personal relationship with him are two different things. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't know him. It's significant that we understand and important that we come to terms with that. We all ought to strive to know Jesus like we know our spouse or like we know our best friend on this earth. We ought to think like he thinks and have his heart. But we have to make time to develop our closeness with Jesus. We have to submit to his lordship in our lives and allow be quick and give him glory and not seek the glory for ourselves before he was uh, before he was saved paul just had to set had a set of rules to follow now paul had a relationship he had a friend in jesus Second, Paul gained having Christ's righteousness, which is by faith. To be found in Christ is to be positioned in Christ. It is to be in a position that when God looks at me, he sees Christ. And the same should be true when other people look at us. Do they see Christ? It's essential that we allow them to see Christ in our lives. In this time of unsteadiness, of unpeacefulness, in this time of uncertainty, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can be 
a stabling influence in people's lives. Because we found peace in something bigger than this world. We've found something bigger than a virus. Viruses have been a part of human existence probably since almost the beginning of time. And people have struggled with them. And people have been wiped out by them. And who's to say it can't happen now? And it can happen, and I'm not being a doomsayer. I'm just saying that we have something bigger than that. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what happens, he's walking with you. He's there. Walking with you along the way. Third, he gained experience in Christ's power. Christ went to work in Paul's life, transforming him into a whole new person. When we take time to know Christ, the same power that rose Christ from the dead works in us to set us free from sin. And we know Paul's life was radically changed after he encountered Christ on that road to Damascus, wasn't he? His life was never the same. He did things beyond what he thought he could do. And even admitted, sometimes I do the very thing I know I shouldn't do. And yet he had a relationship with Christ that transformed his life. Third, he gained experience in Christ's power. Christ went to work in Paul's life, transforming him into a whole new person. No wonder Paul has so much joy. He saw what he had gained in Christ as far more than what he had lost. In comparison to Christ, all human achievements were garbage or waste. His life no longer was about himself and what he had done. It was about what Christ had done and wanted to do for others. Paul now looked at life from a heavenly perspective, not an earthly one. People who live for money, for fame, and for themselves are never really happy because they will never reach the apex. But when you live for Christ, and he is your ultimate treasure, you know he can never be taken from you, and his value will never decline. What do you profit by the acceptance of Christ? Through Paul's testimony, you can see that there are a number of significant things you gain. First, you gain a new sense of values. Look at verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Next, you gain a new position. Look at verse 9, and be found in him. Be found in him is the way the apostle expressed it. It describes a new relationship that we have with Christ. Be found in Christ. Isn't that profound? That you can be found in him. Let others see Jesus in you. In verse 10, you gain a new fellowship that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You, The word know here refers to intimate personal knowledge and fellowship. It means to know by experience. And verse 11 tells us that we gain a new hope. That new hope rests in the resurrection. You see, regardless of what happens, the power of the resurrection is real. The resurrection is what gives us hope now and throughout all eternity. Paul understood that, that everything else was lost compared to his relationship with Christ and the resurrection. The resurrection is the power of God. Jesus said, I will walk with you all the, all the time. Didn't he say that? Lo, I am with you always. On a personal way. That's why the song in the garden is so, so good to sing. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he, know, he shows me who I am. A man once said, choose well, your choice is brief, yet endless. You have been offered the opportunity to choose. And you know what's in it for you? Life. Life. If you are a Christian, do not forget that your, your joy is not in things of this world. It is in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
It is knowing Him and having a personal relationship with Him. It is in fellowship with Jesus through prayer and Bible study. It is in having His righteousness and not your own. It is in experiencing His power at work in you to change you and make you like Christ. So in the midst of any storm that we face, in the midst of any trial we have, know this. Christ is walking with you. He is here. His power redeems us, shows us the light, and we need to be a beacon of light in a world that is struggling. Because truly it is. People have no understanding of the reality of the lack of a relationship with Christ in this time or any other time. But we can find hope and assurance in the living Christ who is with us always. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we are grateful for the power of Paul's testimony. For in his testimony, Father, we see what's most important. We see what is profitable and what is lost. Help us, Father, to trust in Jesus. To recognize that in him, Father, we have one who advocates for us, loves us deeply, and has provided for us a place. Speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 500, Trust and Obey. The invitation is to anyone who would come to know Jesus as Savior, but the invitation is more than that. The invitation is to thus, uh, those of us who are followers to make sure that we have got our profit and loss margins the way they should be. You know the story of the man with the barn. He had so much crop, he tore down his barn and built a new barn. And what did Jesus say? What he failed to bargain for was that his soul would be required of him that night, and then what good would all that he'd stored in his barn do for him? The same can be said for us. We can store up treasures for ourselves here on earth, or we can store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. But ultimately, eternity is real. And that's where we will find ourselves, in the presence of Christ. Will you stand as we sing hymn number 500?
thank you for your kind attention this morning. I'm appreciative of you being here today and hope that uh, as we continue through this journey that we can do prayer. Um, if anything changes, and there will be something put out this week for you to see, okay, what we're going to do, we will let call them all by email. If you're ever in doubt about what we're going to do, 